Would you take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 11? We'll be in John chapter 11 this morning. As you open up your Bible, let's turn to Jesus in prayer. Jesus, we come to you this morning. I speak from my heart, Jesus. I am hungry to hear from you, not so much from me. So, Lord, I ask that you would guide and direct my words, allow them to be pleasing to you, beneficial for you. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to not just hear you today, but to receive what it is you have for us. Help us to not just be hearers, but to be doers of your word. So, Lord, before we even see what it is you're saying to us, we say yes to you right now. We are open and we are hungry for you to speak. Amen. Amen. Well, we had some good songs today. I don't know if you caught any of those lyrics. It's good every week, but there are some great lyrics in there today. We sing about God who is forever being faithful. That's a, that's a mouthful. God is forever. That's a long time. He is forever, and He's forever faithful. When we sing about God being an anchor for our soul, and how He can give us hope in the time of a storm, and, and He can anchor our soul. There was some great truth wrapped up in that song. When we sing about keeping our eyes, and I've got my eye on the promised land, and the banks of the promised land, and the Lord giving me a vision beyond this life to see what is yet to come, and giving hope for my heart. And those are all good things, but friends, I'm afraid sometimes that we just say those as a figure of speech, but we may not allow them to take root in our hearts. I've said it before, and i probably will say it hundreds or more times again, I'm convinced that we have a missing generation from church and a missing cross-section of people in our culture from church, not because church is boring. Now, I need to give a little disclaimer. Sometimes church is boring, and that's, that's a pathetic mistake. It doesn't need to be boring. But, but that's not why they're missing... I believe we have a missing generation and missing cross-section of our culture from church because they haven't seen the power of God in church. And friends, my concern today is we may sing a truth or a lyric like this. God is forever, forever faithful. He is an anchor for my heart in a storm and He gives me hope and, and I've got my eyes on that promised land bank. I'm ready to cross over and be with Him. But maybe we've never experienced Jesus at that level we just come out of a series talking about encountering Jesus the Lamb, encountering Jesus the Shepherd, encountering Jesus the Carpenter, and beginning to have that relationship with Him. Friends, if you are frustrated in your walk with Jesus, there's a chance that you're not letting Him be the Lamb, not letting Him be the Shepherd, not letting Him be the Carpenter in your life. But today I, I want to go another step and seeing one of the things that Jesus does in our life. And I want us to... Find some help here in John chapter 11. Well, what do you do when you get that dreaded phone call from your doctor that says that you have cancer? Or your loved one has cancer? What do you do when the boss calls you into your office and he says, well, I'm, I'm sorry. We still have to downsize and thank you for your service for the last decade or two, but I'm going to have to let you go. 
What do you do in times like that? What do you do when that person that you have loved for so long just walks out the door and gives up on you and your relationship? What do you do when you break off that relationship that you had so many hopes depending on? What do you do when that loved one around you dies? That pillar in your life, the one who you have banked so much on, they are no longer with you on this earth. What do you do then? What do you do when that accident happens and your plans for the future seem to be thwarted and everything is now askew? Today we're going to find that there can be hope even, I believe, in those times. Let's turn to John chapter 11. And let's begin to see the hope that Jesus can bring to us. As you're there in John 11, let me give a little introduction for us to this passage. In the beginning of this text, we see that Jesus is returning to Bethany, planning to attend to Lazarus' graves four days after he's been in the tomb. Four days that he's been dead. You've heard that it's been said before that the Lord works in mysterious ways and And while this is true, I think it could be one more of those figures of speech that we use, that we just sing or we say, but we're not really sure if it takes root in our heart. And I believe there's some who would have a very valid question that would ask, if Jesus really loves me, why would he allow me and my loved ones to suffer so much? Why did Jesus allow Lazarus to suffer and to die of this illness And Jesus answers this question in John chapter 11, verse 4. Look at it with me. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now this is an important statement. It's going to be very confusing here in just a moment, but we're going to come back to it. But the question still stands, how can God gain the glory out of your pain, out of your hurt, out of your suffering? When we don't understand the trials and the tribulations in our life, when we don't know why we're going through them, our human minds are not capable of grasping the concept of why one who truly loves the Lord would suffer like this. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, just listen as I Read it to you. You may want to jot it down for future study. James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. While this is absolutely God's solid truth and it helps us theologically and it's good for us to set our mind on this, I believe often that our hearts aren't right there and it doesn't give much satisfaction to this question. Okay, I I guess it's going to develop perseverance in me and this patience will be of benefit to me, but it doesn't seem to help me when my heart is breaking right before me. How can we have joy and faith in God when we've lost our patience in the situation? When we're constantly asking in our minds, Why me, Lord? Psalm 30, verse 5 says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Friend, I believe there's somebody here this morning, right now, who is wondering how much longer till morning time? How much longer till the sun will rise on this dark night of my soul? We truly begin to feel that the Lord has not heard our cry. And minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, our faith 
begins to fade on us. After a period of time, we have to admit that this situation that we find ourselves in, that is breaking our heart, it's dead. Just as dead as Lazarus was dead. You find your heart broken. Though Lazarus was, was literally dead, there's more events and situations in our life that leave us with a broken heart. And it's like a death for us. Now, what is this broken-hearted death that I'm talking about? And maybe it's the illness that you have been battling over and over and over and over and over. Maybe it's this debilitating pain that you face. Maybe it's this pain in your family and this relationship that has been broken or wounded or fractured for so long and it's there over and over and over and your heart is breaking and it's almost like you're grieving a death in that pain. Maybe as I spoke of earlier that this change in your career, this loss of a career path, it's like a death of a dream for you. And you're finding that there was more of your identity wrapped up in that job than you thought. There's more of this idea that you've lost your livelihood, not just a job. And you're beginning to begin to see this pain and this heartbreak. It's like a death of a dream in your heart. Well, why do we consider these things to be dead? These situations just to be dead. Well, first, because most of the time, we have joined in and we have given up on it. We've given up on this pain. We've given up on this hurt. We are sick of being sick. We are so done with dealing with that person. We are so done being wounded. It's just, it's hopeless. And it's, it's like we have died out to the fact that there is just no hope there. We often play a part in, in seeing that it, it's a death situation in our life. But it's not just ourselves. There's others around us, those who have the right information, those who counsel us. They may look at your situation and say, you're sick. I wish I didn't have to give you the news, but, but you are ill. The pain you are facing is not in your mind. It is very real. As you talk with a counselor or other trusted advisors in your life, they look at a, a broken relationship and they say, I, I wish I could tell you that you could just do X, Y, and Z when it will all be better, but... You can't control that other person. I, I don't know if I have much hope for change in that. And it's like a death because of what others observe. And, and there's times when the Lord himself will even weigh in on a situation or something you're facing. will say, yeah, what you're seeing is sin. It's, it's death. Now, it may not be a willful disobedience that you've committed. Friends, if, if it's sin that we're committing, then we obviously can see the death. But, but often it's harder to see this sin that is been committed by someone else or from the fall of man that every pain and sorrow and sickness is a result of the fall and it is a result of this death of sin but it's these things that help us see that there is a very real death grieving that our heart is breaking over it may be the literal loss of a loved one but it could be many many other things that we find ourselves at the end of our rope so where do we start? Where do we go when we find ourselves in that place? I want us to find some hope today in John chapter 11. Let's look at the verse 5 verses together. I'll read aloud as you follow along in your Bible or your device. John chapter 11 verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. 
Verse 3. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. In verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Look at this first five verses. We see that the sisters are sending out, calling out for Jesus to come. And Jesus hears the news and this declaration that this sickness will not end in death. I mean, this is very important. It's going to get real confusing here in just a minute. But Jesus says, I I hear the response. I hear the cry. And I want you to know this sickness will not end in death. Now, don't miss this in verse 5. Jesus is noted as loving Martha her sister Mary, and Lazarus. Friend, the first place that we have to start when your heart is breaking, when you find that there is no hope around you, we have to understand that Jesus loves you when you're heartbroken. He loves you. Now, you may not feel like he loves you, but your lack of feeling doesn't do anything to the fact that Jesus is head over heels in love with you. And they knew this. These ladies saw this. We begin to see that Jesus was known to love Lazarus. And their message to him said, the one you love is sick. They saw his love for them. When your heart is broken, know that Jesus loves you. I think we bypass this truth as just a figure of speech as I was talking about a moment ago. When you're hurting the most, we must start with the knowledge of how much Jesus really loves you. Not some kind of Cupid with an arrow and a heart and some kind of sugar candy Valentine thing. It is a love with his life that he's given for you. He loves you deeply. He has your best interest at heart. He intercedes on your behalf to the Father for you. He loves you. When your heart is breaking, he loves you. See, Jesus loved them. They knew that he loved them. And so when they were in a broken-hearted situation, they called out to Jesus. And Jesus, his love was still there. I challenge you today. There's someone here today that over the next number of minutes, the Lord may highlight for you, or it's already bubbling over the surface, the broken heart that you find yourself with. And maybe you're here today, you go, I, I, I really wasn't discouraged so i came to church i mean i'm feeling kind of happy but now we're talking about all this death and depression and stuff hey friend if you haven't been in a situation when your heart is broken yet in life hang on honey it's coming just live long enough and someone will disappoint you Uh uh-huh someone that you look up to will not follow through on what you hope that they would do. Some injustice will happen in your life. Some pain will come in your life. And maybe you're not in that season right now, but maybe the Lord wants to plant a seed that can take root so when you face that, it's, it's ready for you to harvest there. Or maybe there's someone in your circle of influence that you could be a, a ministering angel to, that you could speak God's words to them to encourage them. And I think there's a whole bunch of us here today That if we get really real, our heart is broken. And we've got to start at the understanding that Jesus really does love us, even in the midst of our heartbreak. The second key lesson we can learn today from this passage of Scripture we find in verse 6 through 18. Look at verse 6. 
Jesus had just said in verse 5, or it was said about him, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. Verse 6, yet when he, Jesus, heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I don't know if you ever felt like when your heart is breaking and you cry out to God and you just long for Jesus to show up in your situation, it's like he's absent. It's like he's missing. It feels like he didn't even hear you. And here, Jesus has confessed his love for them. They have acknowledged that Jesus loves them. And he stays put for two more days. It was not what Mary and Martha wanted to see happen. They wanted Jesus to get there quick. Hurry up, Jesus. Get here. There's a crisis. The second thought we need to catch today to find hope in these situations is that Jesus allows you and allows me to wait for His perfect timing when you are brokenhearted. He loves you enough to give you what you need, not just what you want. Now, I want to skip down. We're going to come back up to some of these verses in a minute, but I want to skip down to verse, uh, let's see here, verse 21. And Martha says to Jesus, when Jesus finally shows up, If you had been here... My brother would not have died. Now, I want to apologize on behalf of people who've stood in positions like I'm standing right now, proclaiming the gospel to you, even boldly to you. But sometimes we give you this idea that if you're going to follow Jesus with all of your heart, that you just need to sweep your pain underneath the rug. That you need to not really be that transparent with Jesus because, you know, just be respectful. Hey, friends. These sisters loved Jesus. They had a faith in Jesus. But when they were hurting, when their heart was bleeding, when it was broken, it was as if they said, Jesus, where were you? You're late. You didn't show up. You're nowhere to be found. And and death is upon us. The end is upon us. Jesus welcomes this. And it's only when we can be transparent, when we can be real with ourselves, that we can finally discover that Jesus allows us to wait on Him, even when we are brokenhearted, to find His perfect timing and what it does for us. But let's read on and see what else Jesus gives to us when we're brokenhearted. We're going to read about these disciples. I love these guys. They get so mixed up. Verse 7, Then He said to His disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going to go back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by the world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, I love this part, Guys, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go wake him up. Jesus is trying to help them understand. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get better. In essence, everybody knows that a good nap takes care of what ails you. Just let him sleep. Jesus had been speaking of death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Verse 14, so he told them plainly. He had to just get right up in their face and say, guys, I was was trying to help you see that, you know, things are bad, but I'm going to make it better. But you're misunderstanding. Lazarus is dead. Oh. But then Jesus goes on, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, let us go to him. And then Thomas is like, oh good, let's all go, let me die too. 
They, they don't, they're not getting it. They're not understanding what is happening here. But the third thing that we can begin to see is that right when we're broken hearted, Jesus offers you better understanding. Jesus can offer you better understanding when you're broken hearted. There's times when we would just say, Jesus, if you would just give me X, then everything would be better. If you would just allow this job interview to go perfectly, everything in my life would be solved. Jesus, if you would just touch my loved one, and if they could feel better, everything would be solved. Jesus, if you could, if you could just take care of this relationship, everything else would be fine. Jesus, my heart is so empty because of this loved one who's no longer on earth with me. If you could just solve this, everything would be fine. And Jesus says, I want to help you. I know you're brokenhearted, but let me give you some better understanding. It's worse than that. It's worse than that. What do you mean it's worse than that? Well, it's not just if you weren't sick, everything would be okay. Because you know what? This world, everything around you is death. This fallen, sinful world will disappoint you over and over and over again. And this pain will be around you over again. And I need you to know something even deeper than that. There's a deeper understanding. And Jesus is going to get to that deeper understanding in just a minute. But when our heart is breaking, know that Jesus is offering graciously, lovingly, compassionately, my son, my daughter, Let me help you understand there's more going on here than what you think. Come back to that verse. Verse 21, Martha says to Jesus, If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But something takes place that's amazing. Even when Martha is absolutely transparent, she is absolutely honest before God in this exchange, something amazing takes place. We begin to see what kind of faith that she has. Look at verse 22. She just said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, Jesus, you're late. You didn't make it on time. He is dead. It is over. But even now, God will give you whatever you ask. It's this amazing even now faith that in the midst of her heartbreak, in the midst of the situation being completely sealed and done, she comes to Jesus and says, I'm upset, Jesus. I'm broken, Jesus. I'm aggravated, but... But even now, I choose to trust you. Even now, I believe that you can bring some kind of right out of this. And it's that even now faith where hope begins to take root in their hearts. There's this deeper understanding that she's beginning to have. Now, this deeper understanding doesn't mean that that we understand every piece. It doesn't mean that we just sweep our feelings under the rug it doesn't mean that i I never ever grieve no it's in the midst of the grief it's in the midst of me being very honest and transparent with jesus that he gives me a deeper understanding that even now even when the day is darkest i can trust him let's look at the next few verses jesus begins to talk with her What does he say to her in this response? Jesus says, your brother will rise again. She says, well, Jesus, I know that he'll rise again in that end day. I know that's coming. But in essence, what about right now? He's dead now. And and Jesus gives another understanding. This is that deeper understanding that I was talking about. This is the crux of what he is saying. 
Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And we've got to come back to that in just a second. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he calls the question, do you believe this? Jesus offers a deeper understanding and calls her to believe. And he says, hey, hey, if you believe in me, trust in me, you will have life even when you die. Friends, when I study this passage, if you've read this story before, in just a minute, Jesus is going to do a miraculous thing. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But we're not there yet. That's just like a spoiler alert, okay? And when he raises Lazarus from the dead, this is like awesome. And, and we can go, oh, this is so good. I have hope with a broken heart because Jesus will fix everything that ever goes wrong in my life. And any death in my life, Jesus will bring life to it and everything is perfect and rosy. And Jesus saying, would you, would you look? Look. No. I don't find anywhere throughout Scripture that tells us that Lazarus <clears throat> was miraculously taken to heaven. Sometime later, Lazarus dies. He's raised from the dead from this illness here, but someplace he died. And the greater truth, Jesus is saying, hey, I know you think it's X or Y, but it's worse than that. It's not just physical death. It's not just this illness. It's just not this pain that you go through. It's not just this emptiness and purposeless in your life. It's not this loneliness. Hey, there is this deep death, deeper than what you know. And those who believe in me with their life, they will live even if they die. Even in the midst of a broken heart, you can have vibrant life with me. That is not fake stuff. Friends, a missing generation from church, if they could see on my face and your face the actual hope that we have in Jesus, not when things are great, but when things are terrible. Not just kind of terrible, when it's dead. Jesus, you are an anchor for my soul in the real storm. You are forever faithful. Always faithful. Not just when I feel like it. You have taught me to keep my eyes on that promised land when the things right here make no sense at all. Jesus, you are so real to me. He is the resurrection and the life. Jesus goes on. We see what he does here in verse 28. After she had said this, She went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said. He's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. Verse 31, when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn or cry or grieve there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, In a very transparent, honest, real heart. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And look at what Jesus does. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews, her friends who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. In verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Friend, Jesus hurts with you when you are heartbroken. 
Jesus sees that Mary and Martha and the friends are weeping. They are a gut-wrenching cry coming out. And Jesus is deeply moved. He is troubled. And he doesn't just say, I'm troubled by this. He begins to weep. Now get this. He has a divine perspective. He can see what's coming. He knows the good that he's about to do. And yet he still is troubled. He still is moved. He still weeps with them. This is Jesus the carpenter. This is the one who is so real to you that says, I am right here with you. Even now, even in the midst of this dark, dark day, there is hope for your broken heart. Because Jesus feels that pain with you. He hurts with you. He is moved in his spirit with you. Now in verse 36... Some of the friends, the Jews said, see how he loved him? Probably noting about his emotion he displayed. But whenever you're grieving, there'll be some who are there encouraging, but there's always someone like this next person. They're there. I don't care who you are. They'll show up in your life and they'll speak these words to you. Look at verse 37. But some of them said... Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? They were doubting. They were saying, well, it's nice that Jesus is crying with you now, but what good is that? Didn't he have the power to to heal this blind man? Why didn't he do what you wanted him to do? Friend, there's some of you who are grieving today, and this understanding that Jesus is weeping with you is going to bring some hope for your heart. But there will be a voice around you that says, well, if Jesus really loved you, he wouldn't allow this suffering to happen. He wouldn't allow this pain to happen. He wouldn't allow this loss to happen. That is a lie from the pit of hell. He may be using some human to speak those words to you, but know where it comes from. It comes from the enemy. Nothing could be further from the truth. Though... This very real life story is mimicked in our own lives. Let's look to the next thing that Jesus is telling us. We see here in verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, that's the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for for he's been dead for, for four days. See, in the midst of her pain, her hurt, her grief, her sorrow, she had great even now faith in the Lord. But even in the midst of that, her her humanness got the better of her. And she said, but even now, Jesus, you could do something. But but you know how stinky that death is. Do you know the stench of that death? Do you know how embarrassing this is going to be for everybody to see? I, I know you want to enter into our grief with us, but come on, this is... This is uncalled for. You want to roll away the tomb and that's going to be disrespectful and, and all these things. But then finally they allow. And then Jesus has this prayer. <laughs> this is one of these cool prayers. Jesus talks to the Father. Father, thank you for listening to me. Uh, I'm only thanking you. I already know you listen to me, but I'm just thanking you out loud. So these people who are listening to me pray will know that you always hear me. It's kind of one of these two-way conversations. God and Jesus and then other people listen. And then Jesus does what we talked about last week. He speaks, and when he speaks, he creates, and when he creates, there is life. And Jesus, in a loud voice, calls out, Lazarus, come out. If you ever remember that TV movie, Jesus and Nazareth, and they would show that scene. I remember as a kid watching that, and Lazarus would come out like a mummy, and it would scare me to death. I have nightmares the rest of the week. 
supposed to be like an encouraging scene, but it scared me to death. I don't know why. I think maybe we have that problem. When Jesus wants to, to radically speak life into a situation and our humanness, all we can see is the stench of death. All we can see of how impossible it is. And in the midst of my even now faith, I need Jesus to do something else. Friend, Jesus leaves no doubt about his power when you are heartbroken. He was going to leave no doubt about his power then. Now, Jesus had just said, this sickness will not end in death. Did he lie? He died. He's saying, oh, it's so much it's so much more than just if you're alive or dead. It's, it's about having real life in me. And to show you this, kind of, you know, thankful this happened, I'll raise him from the physical death so you can see the very real life that I offer to you. Friend, someone is going through great heartbreak today and jesus wants you to know that he's going to leave no doubt about his power that doesn't mean that doubts won't plague you it doesn't mean that there'll be thoughts that will come into your mind that will be a doubt category but he won't let you doubt his power i, I get it brady so uh if i if i have this even now faith jesus will he'll give me everything i want no he will be everything you need in the midst of when everything you want is gone. Our final thought is this verse that we came to. Verse 22, Lord Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Very honest, poignant words with Jesus and this amazing faith that follows. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Friend, even now, when your heart is breaking, you can find hope in Jesus Christ. Even in this situation, Jesus wants to bring hope for you today. Friend, I think there's some here today, you don't have to work very hard to think about how your heart is broken. And, and, and you need to know that Jesus deeply loves you today. There's others of you here that it's just bubbling to the surface right now of your frustration and aggravation. And don't let anyone tell you you should sweep this under the rug. Come to Jesus. Jesus, you're late. You didn't show up. There's, there's, it's done. It's too late. It's over. And he'll say, yeah, it's dead. But those who believe in me, I will speak life in the midst of that death. I have hope for you when you're brokenhearted. You need to know that Jesus deeply loves you. Not only do you know that he loves you, but his timing is so perfect. It's not often what we want, but it's so much what we need. And he will give us some better understanding to see it. But even in the midst of that understanding, when your heart is hurting and you're very transparent and honest with the Lord, he wants to weep with you. Today, he wants to not just shed a tear. He didn't want to just kind of be sad a little bit. His heart is troubled. He is moved in his spirit. He weeps with you. He sees the good that's coming, but he weeps with you. And he doesn't want today to end before you can see the proof of his power in your life. In just a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this word that God has given. I'm, I'm done. That's what I feel like the Lord wanted me to share. But I, I don't want to have a figure of speech that we just kind of smile at. It 
may kind of rhyme well, and we go, oh, I'm not good. Even now, I can have hope when my heart is broken. I believe that God set up a divine appointment for some of you today. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to come and meet me at this altar and pray. If you can't kneel at this altar, I'm going to invite you to come sit at the front rows. And, and we are going to go to God together. And we are going to cry out, Jesus, I need you. The one who loves me, I need you. And we need to be honest before him. This is not just trying to pretty things up. And some of us need to come to a very real place in prayer today and say, Jesus, I, I need you to know I'm hurt. I, I'm broken hearted. My, my frustration is high. I'm even angry, Jesus. You didn't show up. If you would have just stopped him from doing that, this wouldn't have happened. If you would have just stopped that injustice from taking place, this wouldn't have happened. If you just would have intervened in my body, this wouldn't have happened. And you need to be able to tell Jesus, and in the midst of that, see if the Lord can empower you to say, but even now, Jesus, even now, I know that you can do something. I sure don't understand it, but even now, can you do something in my heart? There's a healing God wants to bring. But we need to be a part of that calling out and reaching out to Him. If God's speaking to you today, you'll know it's like a neon sign in your mind. And don't come because I'm asking you to, but, but don't not come because of what you think someone else will think. That's the dumbest thing in the world. As Pastor Edgar sings, if you'd like to meet Jesus and find the hope that He has for you when your heart is breaking, meet me at this altar in the front row and we're going to pray together. Let's do that right now together.